0: Well, it's understanding who your audience is first. So you don't want to dilute yourself. And this is where, <laughs> as humans, we always have that negative bias we always go to. But, if I, but I might miss out on something, if, you know, if I don't get to everyone. So the hardest thing is actually going, you know what, let's just pick one specific target audience and start there. And that specific target audience are going to be your fans. They're going to get you. They're going to love you. And they're going to buy from you. And they're going to improve in what they're doing. And so understanding who that is and being very specific about that. And then once you've sort of got that going, you can think, okay, what's my second audience or the, another target audience? But segmentation is really important. The worst thing and the biggest mistake any small business can do, and I see it far too often, is throwing everyone in a bucket and going, you know, who's your target audience? And I hear people say, everyone worst answer uh-uh. you know real, oh my god how can you so you know it's that i suppose it's the Pareto principle the 80-20 rule you know try to get the 20 percent because they're going to be the probably the most profitable you know there's an older advertising saying advertising's great but only 50 percent of it works but you don't know which 50 percent it's working <laughs> for right now that shows that's a lack of strategic thinking. So by being very targeted in your segment and who you're targeting and understanding them, you know, let's go back to what we're talking about, how they feel, what are their pain points? What's keeping them up at night? What's going to make them sing? What are you going to do that's going to help solve one of their problems? What are you going to do to help them grow, to help them, whatever it is that you're wanting to help them?
1: Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project.
0: Unique perspectives, practical insights, and unexpected discoveries directly focused on giving you the unfair advantage. Introducing your hosts,
2: Nadia Hughes and Terence Toe. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. I'm Terence Toe. I'm the founder, managing director of Strategic Corporation, and I'll be one of your hosts today. And we've got
1: Nadia Hughes, and I'm from Smart Business Solutions, and I'm so happy to be here because Jackie said yes to us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And today, so we're welcoming Jackie Mitchell onto the podcast, and Jackie has her own podcast and radio show called Taking Care of Business. Jackie is a brand profiler, business thought leader, and she also has, well, there's a few things that Jackie does, actually, but I'm sure we'll learn more about it, but also involved in a company called Brandstorm Marketing. So, how are you, Jackie?
0: Oh, this is going to be good fun. <laughs> it's going to be good fun. Thank you for asking.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> We're all excited. <laughs> always, <already. laughs>
0: always important to ask. <laughs> you know, over uh, with the radio, the radio show that I do, it's been six years now. and I've interviewed over a thousand business experts. So I was trying to figure out how many, you know, as I was trying to celebrate the fifth year. So I thought, I wonder how many people I've interviewed. Anyway, a candidate was a thousand. I've gone, oh, that's really cool. And then I thought, because I've got a background in market research as well, and I thought to myself, I wonder if there's any common threads or patterns, you know. If a thousand people that are mostly successful business people, if they're all saying the same thing, success leaves clues, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what would that be? And uh, it's a really popular talk that I do with some keynoting and seminar work I do. and But the number one I know you're dying to
2: know what number one is. Yes,
1: yes, please. Come on. Don't Can't
2: you know? we just start at, like, number 10 and work backwards? No, you? no,
1: no, because everyone, I hate <laughs> that. I will fall off the chair. <laughs> just cut to just the chase, the right? Yeah, just cut.
0: Just ask was number one. Just ask. Right. So it's amazing by asking mm. what can happen. So I was interviewing this lady about her new book and it was about cultivating curiosity and, and I thought, oh, I need someone, you know, some other people on the show. And I noticed in the front of her book that she had a testimonial by Seth Godin, which we'd all know. You know Seth Godin? Mm. Great, great thinker. Great yes. thought leader. Wonderful. What, sure. He's written some incredible books. So I'll, I'll send him an email. I don't know him. I'll just ask. So I just went onto his website, found his email address, sent him an email. Two hours later, get an email back from him. He said, alas, which I love, actually Seth would say alas, alas, I do not do radio anymore. But he was very honoured to be asked.
1: And again, it proves, just ask. Yeah. It's amazing what can yeah. happen.
2: And what's the worst thing that's going to happen?
1: That's me. To overcome the hesitation of asking, I go, the worst can happen, they will say no. Can I take? No, yes, because I already have it. That At this point of time. You've started with that, right? Yes. yes. I only can come back to it. Yeah, it's a real
0: mindset. And I don't know if it's Australian culture or what it is, but we get, I don't know, nervous or embarrassed
1: to ask. Well, that's where I have advantage over you guys because I'm Russian and <laughs> yeah. I so used to know that it doesn't hurt me anymore.
2: <laughs> Russians <laughs> are very direct. And oh. Nadia is, she could be accused I'm of direct being
1: direct. on, on steroids.
0: Yeah, well, so I like that so because you don't bad. have to second guess what she's thinking or saying. And it's so a lot of time it's a personality <laughs> style actually you give me an idea. maybe I need to start practicing some accents
1: many tried if few failed yeah. <laughs> can you take it <laughs> anyway
0: thank you for uh, having me I'm looking but, forward uh, Jackie, to it but Jackie you do
1: have accent Australian accent of course and it's strong good <laughs> fifth generation Australian I'd hope it would be yes yeah, so we both have strong accent let's yeah. jazz it we- yeah <laughs> let's
2: go for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, so after that, that mm. was one hell of an introduction. So, Jackie, you're a little bit of an expert on branding.
0: I am. And can I go back to that introduction? Yeah. That was sort of, I suppose, me illustrating a point because it's about having a startling statement. So, I know a lot of your listeners are business owners and entrepreneurs, and they get to speak a lot. Now, whether that's speaking in front of your staff, your team, whether you're speaking at networking events, whether you're speaking at conferences or seminars, podcasts, media interviews, it doesn't matter whether you're writing or whether you're, it's verbal or written, but it's got to have that what I call a startling opening statement or a startling statement mm-hmm. because getting people's attention these days is really difficult, yeah. really difficult. And most people start a speech you know, hi, thanks for having me. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And if you watch TED Talks, the really good TED Talks, not the TEDxes, but the TED Talks, and they have 18 minutes, so they've actually just introduced one with a shorter version, which I think is a great idea, but the 18 minutes. And straight off the bat, they're right into it. Hmm. They're right into it. Hmm. So getting that first bit, you know, that startling statement, that opening, getting them in, Hmm. Is really important, I think.
2: And you hear someone like Gary V.
0: Yeah,
2: probably know. Of, yeah, talks about trading attention. You know, and so that whole attention factor that you've just gone straight mm, to yeah. is so important. What's your startling statement? I mean, if you're I'll presenting it. in front of us, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was one of them. I mean, if is it different every the time? Terence yes. wants
1: to put you for TED talk, and your TED talk will be. Oh no, I don't think I'm up for a TED talk yet. <laughs> I've thought about it, of
0: course, but no, I've just got to pick, you know, one or two topics and there's so many I'm into at the moment. So I've just got to pick one that really resonates with me. But interesting when Terence mentioned attention, that's one of my top three because I think it's the most undervalued resource that there is, particularly from a business and particularly from a marketing, specifically from a marketing perspective. And I don't think attention's talked enough about, we keep hearing about engagement, but you can't have engagement without attention. Mm. Unless you can get someone's attention, you can't do anything.
2: Mm. There's
0: nothing's going to work. So, you've got to start with that.
2: Do you think it's undervalued or misunderstood? Both. Okay.
1: Both. But I think it's an undervalued resource. Yeah, okay. But I also think it's misused as well because people cry for attention and they get disparate and they attract attention but wrong type of attention. And then there is a famous phrase from the Madagascar, now what? What kind of attention do you want? This is what you are about. You are about branding and grabbing right attention. So you're coaching attention.
0: Nice segue, Nadia. Yes, it's all about designing it. So you're right. You can create attention and is it the right attention? So it's about strategically thinking about, okay, I've got someone's attention. I know how to do that. Once I've got it, what next? What am I trying to tell them? What am I trying to sell? Now, that selling doesn't necessarily have to be a product. It can be a message. It can be a concept. It can be lots of things that you're selling. And so understanding what it is once you've got someone's attention, you've got someone's attention, you've got one minute, what is it you want to say? So choose wisely
2: mm. is
0: always my advice. And that's where the, your corporate brand or your corporate character and professional brand, it's about designing that because by default, us as human beings and uh, all the latest neuroscience research which is another area of passion of mine is getting all the latest evidence-based research from neuroscience and translating that I'm not clever enough to find a cure for dementia or post-traumatic stress syndrome or anything like that but what fascinates me with the neuroscience is how we can apply that to human behavior and how that then can be translated to customer behaviour. So what can we do to work with the brain, not against it? And Mm -hmm. I think that this is where the attention comes into it, but also that first impression, like that first impressions count. Yes, they do. So what happens is... Our brain, without boring anyone too much with the science, really simplistically is divided into three regions. So the first region is what is called the old brain, and that's what was back in saber-tooth tiger days. So if we go back to those days, and the brain had to very, very quickly sort out is that movement. That's why our brain loves movement, right? Mm-hmm, From mm-hmm. attention perspective, as yes. a tip, yes. and that's why video is doing well and things mm-hmm. like that. It's movement. Is it going to eat me or can I eat it? Is it going to help me survive? Is it going to make me feel safe or does it make me feel unsafe? So if you go back and strip it back to those basic, basic things, that's a really important part of understanding those old brain instincts and then how we can convert that to today's business world. So how that is, is that when we meet someone, it happens in our unconscious or subconscious, the old brains in the subconscious, which is over 90% of our thinking happens there, right, of our decision-making, our perceptions, our interpretation happens there. So the first impression when you meet someone, hence the startling statement, Mm -hmm. people are summing you up Mm -hmm. in their head because they're trying to figure out are you going to eat me or can I eat you, that sort of thing, right, okay. So they're summing you up to say is it safe or not. So the first thing the brain, one of the first thing the brain does is look for similarities, Mm -hmm. to go are they similar to me because if it's similar, it's safe. Okay, are they similar tribe? Okay, so let look for similarities. So that's important to sort of understand how our brain works and how those first few seconds. Now the the research goes anywhere between three to seven seconds it takes. So when you and I only met today, mm-hmm. within three to seven seconds, we're quickly going to do it. It helped a little bit because Nadia introduced us Nobody so that yeah that's right so that then gave my brain a bit more comfort that Terence isn't going to eat me up <laughs> <laughs> but we do that without even being aware of it hmm. so if you then go okay someone's summing me up in 3 to 7 seconds so what should i do to impact that summary how can i design what they think about me so if i turned up today in my track suit mm-hmm. your perception of me might be different from me turning up dressed for business or if, you know what I mean? Or if the first few words that came out of my mouth were not what you expected, I might get your attention and
2: surprise <laughs> you. But if I was
0: swearing at you, it might not be the right sort of attention, yeah. right? Okay.
2: Surprise me in a different way.
0: That's it, exactly. So, and just to finish off the other three, the number two is the, what they call the midbrain, which is where our emotions are stored. And again, that's at the subconscious level. The last bit in our evolution is the, what they call the prefrontal cortex, which is the front of the brain, which is our executive decision-making. And that's a new bit. So that's the bit that has made humans, I suppose, top of the food chain.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is where the consciousness is. So the consciousness is only at number three, the last bit of the brain to develop. But all the rest is subconscious, and that's where all the decision-making is, Hmm. and particularly the emotional bit. And it's a shame when you hear things like that emotion is thought of as negatively. So stupid. People go, oh, you know, you're getting all emotional. (laughs) Yeah, I am because I'm human. And someone cleverly said, and I can't recall exactly who it was, so I won't pretend I could roll off, I could pretend I knew, but but they said that we are emotional creatures that occasionally act rationally and Mm. I really like that and I think that sums up. I think and feel that that actually very accurately sums us up as humans. And the more that we can understand that and embrace that because all the evidence is because they're measuring emotions now, all this neuroscience is all leading to the same thing. So you've got great thought leaders of the world are saying what I'm saying right now.
2: Hmm.
0: You know, and so if we can as business owners understand that when we're dealing with customers, That not to go straight for the rational side of it, but to be very aware of their emotion and how you want to make them feel. And I think actually I do know this one. I know Oprah Winfrey said, people won't remember what you did for them. They'll remember how you made them feel. Hmm. And that's the feeling. And she's onto it. That's all the same thing. So you start again looking at those themes and common threads. That really tapping into that emotional side of things. And that's the whole walking in the customer's shoes. So getting a real sense of what is it like to be that customer. But not only from a you know, demographic, we tend to focus on the demographics, which is all very rational, their age, they're where they live, you know, what sort of job they've got, how much income they're earning. Let's start thinking about psychographics, which is lifestyle characteristics, which is attitudes, interests, opinions. But how are they going to feel? You know so when guests come in here to do your podcast right never ever forget or lose the sight cuz I know you've sort of just pretty much started and you kick started it all but never ever forget that guests coming in the majority of them will be feeling a bit nervous so your job is to keep them calm is to tell them how great they are cuz that you when nervousness confidence starts creeping in All that sort of stuff, being very conscious of it, explaining the process to them, but really getting a sense of understanding what it's like for them.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. What you're saying about how you make people feel, actually one of the things that we discussed on a previous podcast and I think we brought it back to or I brought it back to, brand is how you make someone feel. Mm -hmm. Like your brand Mm -hmm. is how you make someone feel. Spot on. So just going back, you know, to how you're making people feel and that what you mentioned about the startling statement, you know, do you have a methodology that you've kind of put together to help people to figure out what that is?
0: Yes, I do. I have a process. Okay. So I have a five-step corporate character process that I take people through. So I've been doing a lot of work with people that work for organisations and that are, you know, quite ambitious, work for big organisations want the attention of the CEO, want the attention of their team leader, they want to be promoted or, you know, thought about to be promoted. So it's about going, okay, if they want to be thought about, what is it they want people to think of them, right? So if they're in a team, we need these team members, we need someone that's, you know, got a good, innovative, creative, you know, thinking or style, and then everyone on the team meeting will come up with a handful of, do you want to be that person? Like, who do you want to be? What do you want to be thought of? What perception do you want people to think of you at? And there's obviously that translates. I'm doing a lot of work with entrepreneurs, a job at the moment with a reality TV star about their brand because they've been quite successful on a reality TV show and they're gone, what next? You know, How do I leverage this? I've got you know, six months or so to make the most of this opportunity. I don't want to wake up in two years' time and go, oh, I missed it, you know, I missed the boat. And they're not quite sure how to present themselves. So they obviously had a bit of a persona, obviously had a persona on the TV. And so which bits of those do they want to amplify and which bits of those do they actually want to, I suppose, you know, lessen. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, you know, do work with entrepreneurs, business owners, and because if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, as I said earlier, you speak a lot and you meet a lot of people. You've got a lot of functions. So it's about that consistent messaging and being very clear about how you want to be perceived. You know, it's almost if you can own a word and that's that that's like, oh my God, that's the golden egg. If you can own a word, you know, like Volvo did. Do you remember the word that Volvo owned? Do you know the word that Volvo owns? Do so you no, look at I the know. brand, it's Volvo? It's like Volvo drivers, that's all I know. <laughs> oh, no. Well, they actually, they used to own the word safety. Right. So a lot of people will still recall that why they don't keep using that. I don't know, but for a car, I mean, that's an awesome word to, to own. Mm. So, or even owning, you know, two or three words. So yeah. if I said to you, Nadia might know the answer to this. I know I haven't done this with Terence, but if I mentioned three words and you put them together, what brand pops in your head? Family, fun and magical. Was a brand pop in your head? Disney. Exactly. Mm. Now this was not pre-rehearsed. I just met you today. Yeah. I've been doing that for nearly twenty years, mm. and it one hundred percent everyone's mm. got that. Now that is awesome.
2: It's pretty tough not to get that one.
0: <laughs> well. That is like Disney. But, yeah, no, I love Disney as a brand. They are the gold standard. And to own those three words, but the three words have to go together. And by putting those, and they're three pretty basic words, right, mm. magical, mm. family, fun. If I just said magical, I might not have got you there. So by tying the three together, it's created an association in your memory. Mm. So Disney, it's in most of our memories. It's unbelievable. Have you ever been to Disneyland? or No. Right? Have no. you got children never- that's into Disney?
2: Or I mean, yeah. Okay, right. so so you've
0: got a little bit of history there with Disney, right? A little
2: bit. A little little
0: bit, bit. okay. But that's really awesome. So imagine thinking of that as a a person, which is the principles the same. So you say three words and then you go, you know, Richard Branson or Oprah Winfrey or whoever it is, Hugh Jackman, whoever the the brand is. Madonna has done it really well. And so if you can start owning some words and owning some imagery, that's a really
1: powerful. How do people come up with those words? going through a strategic process. And what is it?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I could spend the next five hours describing it, which I won't, but in a nutshell, it's pretty much I start off with a brand audit and that's really figuring out what's existing so what equity is there what's the good stuff we don't want to start from scratch and throw out all the good stuff so and then you know and it's basic marketing 101 from a perspective you go okay what's your purpose what's your aims what are you trying to achieve what's your outcomes what does success look like what are your expectations So, it's that sort of auditing all that starting there who are your customers really key question who is it who hmm. is it That you're trying to influence. Who is it that you're trying to persuade?
2: It's important because what you're getting to is you've got to speak with. Depending on who your audience is, you speak with them differently, Mm. right? Mm. So how does that?
0: Well, it's understanding who your audience is first. So you don't want to dilute yourself. And this is where, (laughs) as humans, we always have that negative bias. We always go to, but if I but I might miss out on something if you know if I don't get to everyone. So the hardest thing is actually going. You know what? Let's just pick one specific target audience and start there and that specific target audience are going to be your fans. They're going to get you, they're going to love you and they're going to buy from you and they're going to improve in what they're doing. And so understanding who that is and being very specific about that and then once you've sort of got that going, you can think, okay, what's my second audience or the another target audience? But segmentation is really important. The worst thing and the biggest mistake any small business can do and I see it far too often, is throwing everyone in a bucket and going, you know, who's your target audience? And I hear people say everyone.
2: Mm.
0: Worst answer. Uh-uh. You know, real, oh, my God, how can you? So, you know, it's that. I suppose it's the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, you know, try to get the 20% because they're going to be the, probably the most profitable. You know, there's an older advertising saying, advertising's great, but only 50% of it works, but you don't know which 50% it's working for, (laughs) right? Now, that shows that's a lack of strategic thinking. So by being very targeted in your segment and who you're targeting and understanding them, you know, let's go back to what we're talking about, how they feel. What are their pain points? What's keeping them up at night? Mm. What's going to make them sing? What are you going to do that's going to help solve one of their problems? What are you going to do to help them grow, to help
1: them whatever it
0: is that you're wanting to help them? Great
1: point. I usually tell the clients when they come to me, because I have to do their figures and numbers, and why don't we make money? And I ask them, whom are you selling to? And I said, well, it appears to be that you have this broad net. you have gone and caught all fish in the ocean but you don't know which one gives you better margins, mm. better fat. Mm. Let's try to separate it and look at the margins. I'm kind of in reverse marketer. I'm working from figures, looking at what's easier for the clients to do business with, and then tell, why don't you target them? This is what we need, the more margins like that. And it's a very simplistic way, but it hits the spot very quickly. Mm. I said, why would you be catching all the fish? And just wasting your efforts if when you can just design a certain way of doing it, which through your marketing, and therefore you need a marketing specialist. I'm not a marketing specialist, but this is what you need.
0: Yeah, it's not a very good analogy now, but it's an old analogy about a scattergun approach versus a targeted using a rifle, Mm -hmm. you know, being very targeted. And and all that effort, you know, thinking really clearly about where you put your effort and resources. And everyone's complaining they haven't got any time. We'll be very selective about your time.
2: Yeah, and I guess to me the way I think about that is that you want to try to speak with someone directly, like as if you're having a one-to-one conversation with just that person. But if you're speaking with everyone, then you're not speaking with anyone directly, are you? You're not having a direct conversation. Well,
0: again, some neuroscience research says it takes seven to nine times to tell one person the same thing for them actually to get it. So if you look at it from an advertising perspective, if you're in social media and you put a post on Instagram or a post on Facebook and you put one post up, yeah, nothing's happening. No, because you need to do it at least seven to nine times. You know, you look at TV advertising and McDonald's put an ad on the table, they don't just put one ad on at eight thirty on a Sunday and they go, Well, that's our campaign. It continues to loop for a couple of weeks. You see it on bus shelters, you hear it on the radio, you open the newspaper there in it. So it's about integrating all the different brand contact moments is what I call, but it's all these different areas or or channels for communication are really important.
2: And when you say brand contact moments, is that similar to what be referred to as touch points?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So touch points, I suppose it's just my language, but the brand contact, you know, where the brand comes into contact and it's not always in an ad. It can be how you answer the telephone. So it's whenever a customer has any contact with your brand, and whether that brand's personal brand or a corporate brand but if you're looking at it from a purely from a branding perspective and really leveraging that like today i did drive through McDonald's coffee love it i love the speed i love the efficiency and every single time the consistency which is the hardest thing to do in brand in brand in the branding world Every single time I have have a nice day, have a good day, a smile, a thank you, and I just go, that's awesome, every single time. And these are teenage kids and they're different ones every single time. Mm. I love the process. I love the systems in that. Yeah, I think that's another gold standard, a bit like Disney.
1: And what I like about your way of explaining things is you are coming up with your own words uh, because we are desensitized to the touch points. Everybody talks about Mm -hmm. it. We probably had too many touch points with those words when we came to the point of saturation. uh, When you are actually actualizing meaning you're dragging it out it's good old knowledge however you're just revamping it to give it new life
0: yeah well i think the word touch it's a sensory word which is a good thing but i think it's limiting because if i see something and i'm not touching it you know so i suppose i'm taking it literally but as humans we do that so when i hear touch point i think i've actually got to be able to touch it where I want to be able to use all my senses, and so the contact moments is where that
2: comes from, but I think the key here is that Nadia loves to make up new words
1: yeah. I that's- do because do? I, I simply sometimes lack of vocabulary, so I just have to yeah, toesetonese
2: <laughs> we've got there's a, there's a few that Nadias made up
1: <laughs> I love it and another one corporate character that's something i really passionate about because culture is everything. Mm-hmm. And culture is your part of your branding, which people don't understand the way you treat your staff and the way tra- staff treats you back, the way you treat customers, the way you talk on the social media and the way your staff talks on social media, the way you interact with every stakeholder or anything in the business. I think it's a part of corporate character. It's basically thinking of organization of your business like a one single body and what this body when you come in touch with them from a, any angle what kind of feeling you're experiencing that's what I think if I understood your character the character would be it's like a character of a person he can be nice he can be kind he can be caring
0: oh, yeah I but I it could like also character. be interesting I mean the character you're absolutely right so it's about the character of the person but the character of the brand so I like the word character because it says the, the core the essence of the soul yeah. your values what the fundamental belief system of yourself is, and then how does that then resonate to your customers? So which bits of you do you want your customers to see? Which bits of you as a personal brand or as a corporate character are relevant to your customers? You know, Do your customers care that you've got kids? Do your customers care that you've got pets? Do your customers care that you like to cycle on the weekend? Some might, some might not, but it's about choosing wisely. Don't just assume, just don't give everyone everything and that's a, one of the biggest mistakes I see with entrepreneurs and small business owners who have a social media page, whether you know Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. LinkedIn's probably a bit more professional but with all the others, if they've got the page under their company name or if they're trying to promote their own personal brand as a corporate character, entrepreneur, whatever, for whatever reason... And be, think about what is it that your customers will want to see. So it's about posting relevant content, not content that you just want to do. You know, like I use this example when, in one of my workshops and there's a company called the Champagne Dame. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she runs Champagne Tours in France. She's based in Melbourne and she runs Champagne Tours in France. I think she's just started an online shop. Anyway, she is very active on social media, but her brand is all about champagne it's in her brand name she's always about champagne 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 and she posted which i was really disappointed with she posted something on instagram a while ago and it was you know been away coming home to my favorite things my family chocolate and whiskey (laughs) And I'm going, what?
2: Whiskey? (laughs) is
0: supposed to be about champagne.
2: How did that creep in?
0: Right. So she should have done that under her name. Like if she wanted a personal, like not call the champagne name, start another page and have your personal stuff there. And there was another one called Love the Pen. And they post really cool, beautiful photos and videos of the, you know, beautiful Mornington Peninsula. And then one day I looked at it and it was a video of snow. And they were walking through the snow. I'm going, what's that about? And they were overseas on a ski holiday. Well, they shouldn't have used Love the Pen to Mm. do that because it wasn't relevant. And for me, it lost a little bit of credibility from Mm. that. So, look, if that's just a hobby or whatever, that's fine. But if that's a business or you're trying to elicit a certain emotion, a feeling, a following, keeping that content consistent –
1: is really important. I have been disappointed a few times myself when I go on Instagram on something. They posted some cool things and I want to know more who is behind it. And then I follow and I find out that it's some oversharing mom. Then you find on different platform because I can't stalk doing completely contradictory things on her page. And it's just really blows my mind. From my own point of view, I try not to judge or anything, but... You can't help it and you're just going, the words on the ones which touched me to begin with don't have that impact anymore and I'm thinking, hang on, it's the same words, why it's changed and this is I do it as an exercise, how do I feel about these words now and then I realise who says it is important to me for some reason.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that the key with social media, and it's always a hot topic, it's about relationship building. I know that you can sell stuff on social media now but – Social media should not be seen as a sales platform. To sell anything and about a brand, it's about building relationships and people want to get to know you. So, you know, we talk about B2C and B2B and it's not about that anymore. It's about H2H, which is human to human. And I think the rise of the digital the advent of digital, everything digital, everything digital, all the technology, has actually, on the other side, to counteract that, there's been a greater focus on how we understand human beings and how we can deal with people. And so I think that human-to-human... Thought when you're dealing with business as opposed to B2C and B2B is really key, and that, and we're dealing with people, it's all about relationships. Mm. You know, it's like when you first meet someone. Let's use this analogy, and again, storytelling is a great way to express a point, which I do like the storytelling. I'm well known for making a short story long, but I'll I'll try not to do that this time. That that was always going to be the name of this book that I, you know, a couple of books I've got in my head, but yeah, how to make a short story long. I'm an expert at it. But anyway, there you go. I've made this point long. Is uh, now, of course, my train of thoughts. So this, this is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens. What was I talking about? Yeah, you were talking about um, a <laughs> <So> story. story. <laughs> I was talking <laughs> about storytelling. Yeah, I know. I, I think well, storytelling is a really important part of demonstrating an example of something. People like a story because what it does, it taps into their emotions. So if I start telling a story about something, you're listening to that story and I'm tapping into your emotions. I'm tapping into that midbrain. You're not aware of it. It's in your subconscious. But I'm tapping into that. So this is where storytelling is really powerful. But I was getting to a point which I might remember. Human to
1: human we were talking and then we jumped to the storytelling. Yes, that's it. That's what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It mustn't have been that important. If it is, I'll mention it again.
2: We'll go back to it.
1: We'll go back to it. We were following the five steps of building. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so it's
0: really about that purpose and the brand audit. And then from there, really unearthing your style. So understanding your productivity style, what values that you really hold close. So it's unearthing you, unpacking you as a person so then it's authentic. We talk, we hear that's another word that's overused a lot at the moment, authenticity. But for me, it's about being real. And if you're a brand, you need to project a certain image that your customers want to see, but that image has to be you. You can't pretend to be something else because it's false. People will pick up on that very quickly. So it's about focusing on what's strong, not what's wrong. So it's really focusing on your strengths and your values and your belief system and your style, you know, Mm -hmm. your personality style, your productivity style, your work style. And it's a real focus on style because there's no wrong or right. We are all different, okay? So it's about picking out which bits of those. Then so I suppose it's then like a jigsaw puzzle to go, okay, this is the inside, the outside's your customers, then there's your competitors. So what are your competitors doing? And which piece of mental real estate do you actually want to own in your customer? If you're wanting a piece of mental real estate that could have already been taken by, you know, five other competitors. So it's really then finding out what, you know, point of difference, but your uniqueness. What is it that you can offer your customers? No one else can what is it? Mm. And that takes some time, Nadia, to really unpack. And some people work faster that than others, you know, so you're dealing with humans. So it's not a robot. So it's a five-step process, which that's part of it as well. And then once we do that, we then get the strategy to go, Okay, how is that then going to look? What's the plan? What's the plan of action? And then the last bit is making it the action, it's the tactical side. So we've done the the strategic thinking, we've done the planning, we've done a bit of navel gazing, you know, looking at, and and most people, it's hard to do it yourself, really hard to do it yourself.
2: I've never heard it put that way.
0: It's a navel gazing. Well, (laughs) it's a form of it because you're looking inside, right? Mm. So I provoke and prod, and I've got some tools that I use to help unearth that what's inside because it's hard to figure it out yourself you know you feel a little bit schizophrenic when you're doing it and and it's not something that we're taught to do well most of us so once we sort of figure that out i want people to be so comfortable that they feel they can wear it you know yeah yeah that's me but all it is is sharpening their focus as to still them Okay, so we're not creating something from nothing. I'm not being Dr. Frankenstein. and going, okay, I'm going to create this wonderful putting character. Putting
2: different pieces of different people together. You to can't try do
0: that. It's mm. not real. Okay, mm. so it's about going which bits do we want. And this is the choose wisely bit. Then this is the bit that's really cool. Once we've sorted that out and everyone's really comfortable, they feel they can wear it. Yeah, 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 that's me. Yeah, I feel really good about that. They go, okay, well, what does that look like? So, Okay, so if you were on social media, what post would you do? What words would you use? What key messages? What sentences would you use? You know, using words that have feelings. What words can I use to generate feelings from the target audience? Visually, like visuals, so underrated. That's why, you know, I think people are starting to get it now with video and, and Instagram. But our visual cortex in our brain, our visual side, it's 64,000 times faster processed in your brain than text a visual. So, you know, a picture tells a thousand words. There's all these. Mm -hmm. I can't help but think that our ancestors with coming up with all these sayings knew that and somehow we've been blinded and our eyes are opening up again. A picture does tell a thousand words. So from your corporate character, what visuals would be consistent with that? You know, and then we start and then we look at their LinkedIn profile. Like that's the first place we go because that's your professional social media and LinkedIn's really high up. It's the number one with Google's search engine. So if people are looking for you, if you're putting yourself out there and putting your business out there, people are looking at you. People are finding you. I hear people say, LinkedIn, no, I don't really use it anymore. I don't use it. It's like a CV online. Well, it's not anymore. People are looking you up. I I had someone call me yesterday from a referral for a new client and first thing I did was look them up. Who is this person? I don't know who they are. Before I'm ever I'm going to waste 1 second of my valuable time and all that time's valuable. Mine's not more important than anyone else's, but all of our time is valuable. <laughs> and my brain does that straight away. It very very quickly goes, "Okay, where am I going to spend my time?" So I looked and I couldn't find them. I couldn't find them on LinkedIn. I couldn't find them on Google. I couldn't find them anywhere. I then went to the person that referred me saying, what's their story? I get an interesting email back and I'm not going to do business with that person because I'm suspicious. And by not finding them now, and that is a classic case, if you're not online somewhere, then people go, "Why? what are they hiding? Why aren't they online? Are they so back in 1973? Or are they hiding something? Like, it's not good stuff. So we need to be on there. So part of this corporate character is looking at LinkedIn and once they've they've worn their brand and they're comfortable with it, I then go, okay, let's look at your LinkedIn profile. Oh, they go, oh, my God, yes, I need to put those words. I need to change this word with that word. Oh, that photo's not right, is it? No, it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, so these articles and we start looking at some articles they can write. And so we start looking at all their brand contact moments and going, okay, how can we then... Make your brand consistent across that. And it just shifts their thinking. It, As I said, it just sharpens their focus as to what's brand relevant and what isn't.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and I like what you're saying there about wear your brand.
0: Wear it. Yeah, you've got to, yeah. you've got to yeah. really wear it, you know, and be really comfortable like a, your favourite coat.
1: I yeah. actually it's, uh, listening to you. It's, fa- it's always fascinating, mesmerizes me. I'm just uh, the brand suddenly over lives its own life. It's no longer something remote. What marketers' domain is? It's you. It's your character. It's something piece of clothing, part of clothing, but it's a part of very comfortable clothing for you. I'm just sitting there and drawing analogies. What it would feel for me is a comfortable brand. It would be, it's my dress or something. It would be very. Dress with a very stretched material which touches my body in the right place. That's how I, as a woman, would describe the brand.
0: Oh, okay, that's good. And I love analogies, I like storytelling. It helps people understand and, uh, and it's engaging. Yes. I think that's really good. You know, one of the things I always say is your brand has to work while you're asleep. It has to work while you're asleep. You're not there to explain it to every single person who's a potential prospect or is a customer what your logo means what your picture means, what your ad means, you know, oh, this is really clever, this is what it means, you know, I designed it because of this, this, this. People are coming up with their own interpretation of it online. So, again, it's back to default or design. Choose wisely. Choose design, hopefully, but choose very wisely.
2: Yeah.
1: And have we gone through all five? Pretty much. That's it? Yeah. We had the podcast wrapped up in... All five brand building techniques.
0: That's right, yeah. So, uh, to summarize, I'm trying to summarize. Yes, please do. So, my top five brand tips, I suppose, and I thought that'd be useful for anyone listening going, Yeah, yeah she's, I think- she's made such a short story long. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up with where her brain's going, her mind's going. So, I thought I'd, I'd summarize, and this is again, we talked about, we started off with a startling statement the brain loves a top and tail. So, you start off with the startling statement, and you should finish with a similar thing. So, because the brain will remember the beginning and the end, uh-huh. not a lot of the middle. So, people presenting. So, it's always nice to finish off. So, number one. Well, should I start at five and work up back up to one? Well, how would you like which, me to do which it? Which one's
2: more effective? We're going to confuse everyone here. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we can start at five and do a countdown yep, to one. let's do it. Would Let you like down. that? Because yep. yes. if I start at one, they might get a bit bored. Well, let's play yeah. spaceship. Like, um, come yeah, on, we okay. launching rocket. Well, number five, customer shoes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it's about walking in the customer shoes, really understanding what it's like to feel what the customer is feeling. A good example, a little story, real estate agents. When they're selling a house, they're not just selling a house. A great real estate agent understands the vendor is selling part of their heart. They really understand that, that they're wanting to get the best price and part of that getting the best price for their house is because they want to see value for the, all the hard work they've done. It's this a is such a great
2: point. Right. Um, okay.
0: It's so emotional, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Well, and for quite a few years, I worked in the automotive industry and really prestige brands. Understood. I mean, they're not just selling a car. They're not just out there. I mean, if you're buying a car for, you know, $150,000 plus, you're not buying the car because you can buy something for $15,000 that will get you from A to B.
0: Like a Rolex, a watch tells the time no matter the brand, but people buy the brand.
2: Absolutely. And they
0: buy the experience. Yeah. You know, so I know I did some work with Toyota and Lexus or Lexus particular and they created these beautiful coffee showrooms so you'd go in there and it was an unbelievable, the food they had, the coffee, they had a proper barista and what that was very clever. So again, it was an extension of the brand and they'd give mm-hmm. you free car washes. So you'd go, oh, free car wash, great coffee. And guess what? You're sitting there having the coffee. Guess what the customer's looking at? All the new mixes oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. So yeah.
0: again, much easier to, if you're looking at increasing your audience or your customer base. Focus on your existing customers. Don't focus on acquisition. A lot of companies focus too much on acquisition, not on retention. Anyway, Very customer true. shoes, number five. Yep. Number four, point, yep. point of difference. Yep. It's podcast, point of difference cast. Point of difference. <laughs> yeah, I
2: don't think go. that was the. <laughs> no,
0: my god, it, yeah, it pops in my head. That's uh, pretty cool. There, there's a new word, Nadia. Yeah. You like new words. Dun, dun. It's about uniqueness. What is it that's different about you? What is it that you can actually provide to customers that not many other people can or the competitors can't
1: and be really clear in my brain if i process it correct or not for me pod is a little hook what hooks people up to you because they look at everybody they're assessing they're scanning you do all whatever their old brain needs to do but then suddenly over something stands out they were looking for it and there is a perfect match which happens on subconscious level but they have Found it. They felt about it, and this hook. What is you, knowing your hook mm. really well? Mm. Maybe not nice word, but I like it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's about what's going to resonate with you, but a, a hook's part of it. And yeah. one of the other words I like. You like this. You like word stickiness. Like what's going to stick in someone's brain? So you want a message that's sticky. Anyway, but it's about that point of difference. What is it? And that's really key. And that's really hard for most people because they go, oh, "I do that." What would well, do competitors do? It. Oh no, I don't really follow competitors. Well, you should because you need to know what they're offering so it's about that mental real estate which part Yeah,
2: that is, is. And one of the things that I've been realizing is that coming into the business coaching space there's A lot of business coaches out there who've never actually run a successful business or never built a successful business. there
0: sure are. And there's a lot of marketers out there who have no marketing training, a lot of brand experts out there who have probably come from advertising, if you're lucky. Yeah. So, I see that all the time because I do the coaching as well. And in my industry, it really annoys me. And so, my advice is always check credentials, always check credentials. If you're dealing business with someone and you can't find them online, big red flag.
2: Yeah, but I mean, just bring it back to the point of difference. Mm. Sometimes the point of difference is a lot more obvious maybe than it seems. I mean, for me, it's okay. Well, coming into that space, it's so obvious that I've actually, you know, built Businesses, right? And as a business coach, you probably want some experience doing that, at least some. For, for right? me,
1: more valuable, not that you build businesses. The quality of business assess that when you sell the business. If you can sell the business, it means you know how to build them. That's my filter for success in a business coach space. Yes, and correct. If person tells me they're a business coach, I want to see how many businesses they have been part of. Mm. But yeah. the fact you've been there, done that. Mm shows that you'll be able to show empathy
0: to your clients. You'll be able to understand their pain points from an emotional perspective. If you haven't gone through that, and some of it's great but some of it's hell, and you need to be able to walk through the corridors of hell mm, to absolutely. really to be able to understand when someone's sitting there across from you looking towards you to help and they're really struggling, that you get a sense of what they're going through because you can't have gone through. Everyone's got a different journey but understanding that sense and working them through that and motivating them. So motivation, that's emotional. You look at all the emotional things. Emotions, and that's my number three is emotion, is that emotions been had this negative association. But if you look at words like pleasure is emotion, motivation, inspiration, they're all emotional words. Emotion doesn't always have to be fear, you know. No. It's a lot of focus on fear. Yeah. And, look, fear's a main driver. But and sadness, but joy. You know, there's a great film, Inside Out. It's a Disney film. I know it's a Disney Pixar, actually. And uh, it's called Inside Out. It's a cartoon. And if you haven't seen it before, highly recommend anyone interested. I'm serious. Anyone interested in neuroscience and understanding what or consumer behavior, human behavior, how our brain works and what motivates us. When they made Inside Out, it's basically in the side of a little girl's head, and they've they've created characters out of all the emotions, so there's joy, sadness, anxiety, anger, you know there's all these different characters and When they made the movie, and every psychologist that I've spoken to have all said this. That they actually had psychologists working on the movie to make sure it was accurate with how our brain works. You know, it's not just a kids' movie. For any adult looking at, at the storytelling and understanding what drives us, you know, it's a lovely scene about the train of thought. And there's this train, you know, so they go inside a head. It's like a world of, in itself. So, highly recommend that. That's my number three.
2: And I think part of the way that I think about that is emotion can really drive results so if you're a results driven person or if, if you're driven to success what makes you want to really get you to that point i guess and to me that's purpose which is driven by emotion emotions of all sorts mm. but you've got to have something you know you look at the really successful people out there they had something driving them because as you say business is not easy Like anyone who goes into business thinking, this is going to be a breeze, it's going to be a lot easier, they're normally, sadly, disappointed. And if they don't have real purpose, if they're not in contact with those emotional drivers, then they don't have enough reason to keep going. And it's through those tough times when you need something really there a, a little bit more than just saying, okay, well, I want to have a successful business to actually keep going, right?
0: Absolutely. You need some resilience, building that resilience up. It's like playing yeah. golf. Yeah, you know, I use that analogy because, <laughs> you know, if you play golf. I don't know if anyone's played golf before. It's really hard. And you hit, you know, 10 really bad shots, but it's that one. It's that one great shot to par three and you've actually, you know, hit a par three or you've done a great driver or a part or whatever. And it's that one shot that keeps you going for the whole game.
2: Yeah. yeah. that's. I mean, that's true for me in surfing. I okay, surf. Okay,
0: yeah. So, you catch that one wave and you go, oh, my God, that was really yes, good. So I've caught 15 crap ones and I've been, but that one one was really good.
2: Yeah, I can have the worst session. Yeah. But if I catch one great wave, it just became the best session. Yeah,
0: and I think that's a really good tip for motivation is about where you put your focus because our brain has a cognitive negative bias that's why we worry because we're trying to keep safe go back to the old brain we're trying to keep safe so if we can look at focusing on the positive you know the glass half full there Mm -hmm. you go so our ancestors these people that came up with these sayings (laughs) we're on something i guarantee but anyone going into business in business should have a coach and as you know, as I say Rod, there's a reason Roger Federer still has a coach. He's greatest of all time still has a coach. Still has his team around him. He has his coach. He has his sports psychologist. He has his dietitian and nutritionist. He has his physio. He has his trainer. He has his team around him. So I think a lot of particularly small business people, it is tough. But get your team around you, and I think a business coach and or mentor is absolutely critical to success. Okay, my number two is focus so the stronger the focus the stronger the brand and we talked about segmentation a bit earlier about focusing on one audience but focusing your brand when you are your corporate character you know pick no more than five key personality traits you know we talked about disney having three but really hone down it's like you put yourself in a pot and you boil it down you go, okay what's left you know what's the core but that core the essence of you your brand has to mean something to your customers. What is it they're wanting from you? You know, what is it that you're wanting from you? So I think the focus, the stronger the focus, the stronger the brand. Number one, number one. Get back to it. Yes. Is your brand has to work while you're asleep. So it's all about consistency. Consistency is the hardest thing to do. And you're never going to get it right 100% ever. But keep striving towards it. Hmm. Just keep striving towards it because you you know occasionally you might you might get the hundred percent, but it's really hard to do. So if you're being inconsistent, don't stress. Just be aware of it, and just keep working towards that consistency. Just keep thinking, just keep being aware and thinking about it, and being strategic in your choices. Again,
1: choose wisely. Consistency you can guarantee is a consistency of trying yes. to achieve consistency. Yes, <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly.
2: Consistent effort.
0: Yeah, that's it. And just be aware. Thinking about your contact moments is—is your website? If you put your website, your brochures, your social media, all your social media postings, how you answer the telephone, your business card, how you're dressing, what conferences you go to, what seminars, what podcasts you agree to do. (laughs) You know, is there a consistent? Do if you put them all together, if you could put them all on a table. Do they look like they're related is the first question. Mm. And they should not only look like they're related, not
1: distant cousins, but they look like closely related. They're from the same family. Mm. That's a really good start. Yeah. So Great. everything for what you have said, podcast shows, media, other outlets, they are outlets, but message should be one. Or consistent. Or consistent. Yeah.
0: So my messages change a little bit depending on who I'm speaking with. Mm-hmm. and what I'm speaking about. So I tend to sort of speak, there's a variety of topics that I can speak about. So I did a uh, a video interview a couple of weeks ago and they wanted to talk about marketing. So my messages was a bit more marketing focused where today was a bit more about branding and corporate character. So it can vary a little bit. Where others it might be a bit more about how to use the media to increase your profile. So whether it's traditional media or social media is another topic. You know, what do the top 1,000 business experts say? So because I'm just a, a channel and so I, I can talk about that. What's the latest finding in neuroscience? I can do a whole thing just on neuroscience. We could have spent the whole time doing that. But what I tend to do is sort of, you know, they weave in together. So yeah. I'm not talking about gardening one time and then OH&S practices another <laughs> and then the latest, you know, political ramifications <laughs> on a by-election that would be inconsistent although we
2: did manage to get all those into one podcast now right <laughs> <laughs> i like the We've way t- you think <laughs> that's
1: true that's true <laughs> what i want to ask a very trivial question and it still comes to my clients always ask me one as i go in the business how should i name my business is it i hear it's not okay to call it by my last name
0: Well, it depends what you want to do with it. It's an old question, but it's still... Yeah, it's it's really important. So the first thing is when you're starting a new business is looking at your exit strategy, okay, because we're all going to die, you know, it's not a lottery. So, what do you want done with it? Are you going to pass it on to the family, keep it in the family, sell it? So, you know, that's the first question, depending what you want to do that. Most people will say, okay, I want to sell it. So, you keep your options open. So, naming it by your name, can that could be limiting. That's another thing. And depending what your surname is, you know. So, if you had a surname like Crapper,
1: then,
0: <laughs> you know, you're in toilets. It might work. but My surname just didn't work. <laughs> it had you put a
2: toe. Toe, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, if yeah. you're a podiatrist, it might.
2: <laughs> it could have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know. just change the spelling a little bit.
0: <laughs> There's a podiatrist in Frankston <laughs> and they're in Foot
2: Street. Oh, <laughs> true.
0: Yeah, I saw it.
2: So they call them Foot Street podiatrists?
0: Oh, I podiatrist? that. No, I, uh, yeah, they do actually. I think right, they, they do. I haven't been there. I've just seen it, but it's true. But uh, that leads me to linking to network of memory. So a brand name needs to link to an existing. It's easier to attach to an existing memory than create a new memory, okay? So it's what I call brand glue. And so you're looking for shortcuts, particularly for small businesses. They're they're creating a brand and their brand doesn't necessarily have to be their business name. It could be the name of their newsletter. It could be the name of their loyalty program, whatever it is. But you're looking at creating a name. And a shortcut is, or a brain hack, is to attach to an existing memory. For our brains to create new memories, it's really hard work for our brain to do that. And that's why we forget a lot, okay, because it sits in our short-term or our working memory. And that has a limited capacity. So it's like a bucket. It does overflow. And what happens when it does get full? The brain will start pruning itself. You don't have a choice, and that's why you're forgetting. Imp- so car keys are important to you. Your brain went, ah, oh, no, I'm just going to get rid of that. You know, I'm, I'm full. I'm full. <laughs> so you need to keep offloading it yourself. So this is where you can actually get in control of it, and then transferring the stuff that's important into your long term memory because that's infinite, right? Okay, that's got unlimited capacity. So you start remembering things that are important, and if you an emotional memories are always going to be remembered Mm -hmm. so if you ask anyone do you remember the day you're married the birth of your children the funeral of your parent everyone will remember that most likely the date and exactly how they felt that day felt feel focus on felt what happened but if you ask them to remember a random day you know a certain date the 28th of april in 2001 what were you doing that day don't know I can't remember, you know, oh, I might have been, you might go back to the year and that might trigger, I was living in, you know. So if you look at key moments, key emotional moments, that's a really, really important link as well.
1: There, I've lost my train of thought again. No, I found <laughs> it. It's fine. It's about, I've been asking you about small business and you... Oh,
0: brand names. Yeah, so yeah, um, it, was, it was
1: attaching to an existing
0: memory. Um, I think that's important. And I know that CityLink just created, they've just rebranded their... Account. I don't know. We're all on. CC. I did notice that. Right. And do you think I could? Re- they've made no. up some stupid word. So.
2: Linked. You- is it linked?
0: Yeah, I think it's pronounced linked. But when I saw it written, it, it was L I N K T or something. And yeah. I thought, like, oh, what in the hell's that? Yeah. Couldn't remember it. Because it's, it's a new memory I've got to create, right? Yeah. Because
1: nothing is existing in that. Yes. A couple of finds will create this memory very quickly. That's how I, <laughs> I create can't... my memories. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes so... Emotion, <laughs> anger. Emotion,
0: anger. Yeah, that's right. Disgust. <laughs> so I think attaching to an existing memory is a really good short cut so if your surname is relevant to mm. what you're doing or not so y- you need to go through the strategic process is my recommendation
2: yeah and that's i think where visualization can come into it can really be key because mm. you can quite easily attach memories to a visualization yes um, yeah well so
0: yeah. It's a well, really that's good strategy the power of the vision for, you know? for, yeah yeah but think about the brand glue it's much easier to attach to an existing memory than create a new one
2: that's fantastic well i've got a ton of notes here. So I'm really happy about uh, that. I mean, how about too. you, Nadia? Oh, yeah, okay. You're looking great. All right. So <laughs> thanks, Jackie, for uh, sharing all the information with us.
1: I, I don't, I'm afraid it's not all the information uh, Jackie knows. She shared well, her segment and things. she zoomed in, she focused in on brand. I've given you a taste, a taste mm-hmm. tester. Yes.
2: So to find out more, how can our listener connect with you?
0: Yes. The best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. And Let's I accept see. every request
2: to check but out your brand now,
0: yeah, check it out, and I don't want to be sold anything, so I do that, but there's a bit of increase. I don't know if anyone else has found on LinkedIn and a bit of
1: sell. I just say no, thank you, no, thank you, but I'm starting to ignore a few I you know, ignore because it's lost. just I find it's insulting you accept the request to connect, and the next thing you get an email, which is really annoying, so I just ignoring, them. yeah, so that's right, but look,
0: LinkedIn's fine, and the other thing too is just Google. Jackie Mitchell, find lots of stuff. Uh, but I'm not the American baseballer <laughs> that hit out Babe Ruth in the 1930s that's, that's <laughs> right. the other Jackie Mitchell if you Google yourself. So you should yeah. Google yourself and find out what, you know, because, again, it's walking in your customer's shoes. People Google, what do they find? Yeah. yeah, That's, not me. That one. <laughs> that's not me. I'm not a baseball player from the 1930s. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this information with us so thanks for it thank was you
0: much. great fun and thank you for asking
2: <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you thanks for listening to the unfair advantage project
0: for more curated resources visit us at unfairadvantageproject.com